any of us who've been in it for long enough, our entire career has been littered with jobs that we didn't get, projects that we thought were going to go for sure, dozens of unproduced scripts littering the floor. All of us are running into both major and minor failures in Hollywood every single day. For every success, there is months, sometimes even years, of painful failure. This is one of the only businesses I can think of where failure is the default. That's the norm. You have to be able to persevere. Like everything in our business, your hands get callous and it all bounces off you. Uh, you know, that process takes years. That doesn't happen overnight. I was being told by my manager, it's yours to lose. And I promptly lost it. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, well, that's it for me. I blew my one big shot. What I've realized from that moment is it's never one big shot. There will be other shots. Dreaming into the Hollywood Abyss is brought to you by Scriptation, the Emmy, Emmy oh, Award. Oh, 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 oh. It sounds awful when you say it. Let, let somebody with a more charming accent do this bit. Screaming Into the Hollywood Abyss is brought to you by Scriptation, the Emmy Award-winning app for anyone that reads scripts, makes notes, organise them into layers, and save hours of time by automatically transferring those notes into new script revisions. Sitha listeners can get a free month of Scriptation by going to scriptation.com backslash Sitha. Now that's how you do it, Noah. Welcome back to Screaming Into the Hollywood Abyss, a podcast about rejection, failure, and adversity in the entertainment industry. I am, as ever, your non-entertainment co-host, Dan Rutstein. And I am your entertainment co-host, Noah Epsling. On today's Screaming Into the Hollywood Abyss, we're excited to have on screenwriter, TV writer, showrunner, and creator Andy Ciara. Andy worked on Lodge 49 before writing the breakout feature hit Palm Springs. More recently, he wrote on Angeline and both created and was the co-showrunner of the comedy thriller The Resort on Peacock. Welcome, Andy. Hello. Uh, thank you for having me. So uh, although we only use the audio from these and not the video, um, it is worth noting, you know, the glamorous world of Hollywood writing, your Office is your two-year-old daughter's bedroom and there's an inflatable unicorn behind you. When you decided to embark on a career entertainment, did you think you'd reach the heady heights of sharing an office with your child? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to, actually, because it, it keeps me grounded in a way. Because <laughs> anytime I feel like, uh, like I don't, I, I don't want to work, I don't want to do anything today, I just want to like watch YouTube videos or movies, then I'm reminded by the unicorn behind me or the, the crib that is to my left that is off screen to my left that like, oh, I have to do this because there are, there are people that are uh, reliant 100% on me uh, making money and putting food on the table. So, yeah. That's good. So, actually, I want to ask about, we sometimes touch on the, the subject of, of family um, because, uh, you know, these are jobs that are uncertain, that take you away from home. They're non, non-linear careers. Um, we're going to jump around a bit here, but does having a child change the sorts of jobs you want to do and the way you want to do the jobs compared to the sorts of things you were trying to pursue when you didn't? Um, it didn't really change what I was like, the, I mean, the types of, I guess not, not the type of stories I was going for, but I'm, I think once I, uh, once I, we had our, we had our first daughter um, and it was the same. I was actually in the hospital room the day after she was born. And then I got a call from my manager where like uh, with my, 
where we just got the I just got the offer to be bumped up to staff on Lodge 49 because I started as a, as a showrunner assistant on that show. Then I was bumped up to staff for the second season. So like it was it was a, one of those weird moments where like I just now <laughs> my my life and outlook on life and perspective was totally shifted by having a kid. And then in that moment, uh, got like, you know, the, the, the dream job that I've been, I've been trying to get. And, uh, and then from that point on, I feel like it's just, it's more, it's to me, it's more about <laughs> making sure I stay employed. Um, and I, it, with regards to like the, if, the, the kind of job I'm going for, or if, if, if it affects the decision, my decision-making process on like what type of job I would do, it's more about like, I need to, I want to make sure I'm again, putting, yeah, putting food on the table because uh, I know how this industry can be. Uh, uh, that, who, who knows how long uh, uh, I will last, and um, I, I will probably hopefully be alive for uh, for a decent amount of time. Um, as as will my kids, and uh, I want to make sure that you know I have a nice a nice little cushion for for them. So, That's and myself. Uh... I, you know, I'm going to ask a question about jealousy and the question about jealousy actually relates to my jealousy because I'm looking at your career and you mentioned that moment, which we all love. And maybe we can circle back to where you get that call from your reps that you're going mm -hmm. from staff, support staff to, to, to on the staff, right. As a writing mm -hmm. staff, and that's an amazing feeling. We can talk about that, but like, you know, you've, you've, you've gone really high, really fast. And is that where you, are you sort of an overnight success or was there 20 years of being a showrunner assistant behind this success that suddenly you went from staff writer to making a hit movie to being a, you know, going back on staff and then being a creator of a show all in a sort of a short period of time. But has, is, is that deceiving or is that? The um, it's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, after I graduated from college, um, I was in a, I was in a indie rock band for a while with my older brother. And so I, I graduated in 2008, which was like, you know, not not a good time to graduate and go out and get jobs. But at the same time, I graduated with a degree in sociology. So I was never going to get a job anyway. Uh, and I, but it was a good time to be like in a, in a little indie rock band that would go and kind of be perpetual openers for, for bigger bands and get paid uh, not very much money, but I spent a lot of time on the road um, doing laps around the country for about five years and then doing kind of like odd jobs back at home. Um, and then is when our, our band kind of, uh, my older brother who was in the band, um, we decided to kind of call it a day in 2012, uh, just because we like, I don't know, we kind of felt like, felt like we, we, we had our run and then we both went back to grad school at that point. Um, and I went to AFI for screenwriting then. And that was actually when I first started writing scripts was like just, just before I went to, um, right, like right when I went to AFI. Uh, and that was in 2012, 2013. And, um, but I had, you know, so, so I, I was never really going after this job before then, uh, this, this career path before then. However, from like, from 1993, June, June of 1993 on, I kind of always knew that I wanted to do it. Um, that was when Jurassic Park came out and I was like, oh, I'm just going to, this is, this is what I need to do. So I would make little short films and write short stories and stuff. But I, again, never was actually like pursuing it um, until, until then. And then it was graduating in 2015. And um, I had, I was lucky enough to like, one of my best buddies that I met at AFI was a director and we both wanted to make our first movie together. So we're like, let's, let's do something that let's go make something together. And that's, we made Palm Springs together. And it was during that, like I was, while I was writing that and kind of developing it with him for from 2015 to 20, 
18, um, I, I was also like a writer's PA and a, for on an early mini room for Lodge 49 and then a showrunner assistant on Lodge 49. And it's like those two paths were like, like very independent of each other. But I was, and over those three years, I was like chipping away at Palm Springs, the, the script and also writing other little TV things here and there. Um, but like, uh, it just happened to like all kind of come together, honestly, in 2018, where like I had done my, I'd spent three years on Lodge 49 up to that point, but the, sh- the show had just come out then. And then we we're there staffing the second season. So the showrunner brought me, brought me up while uh, I, and it was that summer that like I paired up where we teamed up with Andy Samberg and his and, and Lonely Island guys and, uh, and took the movie out to be financed. Um, and I was, you know, I guess <laughs> hitting the, uh, it, it was, a, it was a shorter period of grinding it out for sure. Um, uh, but I, but I, I was from the moment I, I kind of started AFI up until like then I was, I, I never like, I was never lazy about it, I guess. Um, I, when I was always like, just, you know, hitting the ground running on, on both TV and feature side, just like throwing everything against the wall and seeing until I saw what stuck, stuck. And then once, once Palm Springs came out, I kind of like, I didn't really want to go back and do any of the old scripts that I had been like, that were kind of stepping stones to get there. Um, I, I felt like I finally, like it took me that time to kind of understand where I, where I am the most happy and creatively happy and satisfied. Uh, I don't know if that, I don't know if that answers the question. No, that's good. It does. And, and you brought up Palm, the, the script for Palm Springs. And I actually, you know, I might've asked this in the pre or post interview in normal times, but I've been fascinated by this movie for a while because it sort of, it broke through a genre that already had a really iconic movie in the genre. Groundhog Day is a, is a very famous time loop movie. And if you try to pitch a time loop movie that was a comedy, they would say, well, what about Groundhog Day? That movie already exists. And for some stupid reason in this town, even though they often want things that feel like other movies, if it's too close to another movie, it's also a reason for them to pass. So I've been wondering about the journey of Palm Springs for a long time. Excited mm-hmm. to have you on to ask these questions. Is and, and it kind of segues into another kind of point I was talking about with somebody else recently, the idea that having a magic script will really help your career, a script that sort of breaks open doors. And until you have that script, you're going to be up against the wall a lot. But mm-hmm. once you have this one script that people are really responding to, the doors that you didn't even realize were closed to you before start to open up. Did that happen with Palm Springs? Because it really had to break through a lot of things, not only get made, but get made with the cast it did. And then it had a huge, you know, people loved it. It came out at the right time in the pandemic and mm. it was enjoyable. I loved it. I thought it was great. Did that really kickstart your career for you or was it a combination? Yeah. Yeah. No, that was, it absolutely was that. There was another, another writer that, um, uh, that, uh, I, 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 I don't get weird. I don't want to name names or anything like that, but it was a, a, a band that we used to tour with a, a lot. It was like his old college roommate. Um, and he, uh, uh, he's he he has he hooked me up with him connected me with him and um i hopped on the phone with this guy and this guy's gone on to like write some of the biggest movies uh and he's what he said to me this is like right when i was like finishing up at afi he said that like yeah you know people like i talk to a lot of people that are like you know finish up film school or trying to break in or and it's like uh a lot of people try to game the system but it's really like it really just takes one script it really just takes like the, and he said like just rest assured the writing 
will rise above, uh, like the, or the yeah, the, I think the writing will rise. A good script will rise above the rest. Like to, to make sure, like you have a good script with good writing, and you know the rest, like things will start to fall into place. And um, and all that did really to me was just like, I mean, I think it was true, but uh, but he it just made me focus on like I want, I want, I need to like have something that is like that I can completely get behind, and then I'm not doing for like as an assignment or I don't have like one toe in the water there. It's, it's that I like, I, I believe fully uh, on every single level. And then, so, and I remember when I, like I finished the draft that like most closely became what the movie ended up being like, but before when it was just me and then Max, the director on uh, that was like about two and a half years after I started writing it. That's when uh, I had a couple friends in the industry that I like I met through like interning and all that kind of stuff that like they, I said, I'm looking, I need them. I have the script that I love and uh, I, Max and I want to make. And um, but I, I feel like I need a manager more than anything right now. And uh, they all like independently sent it to the same, <laughs> the same manager um, who I met and we hit it off right away. And like what he said to me is like, I, I basically, I know what to do with this script. And it was, I noticed from that single, <laughs> that single point on, um, uh, at the end of 2017 like that's when everything changed for the movie because here's a person who could actually like take it out and like and it, and it made it you know was read everywhere and then you know months later we're meeting with Sandberg and then going through it with him um and so yeah so I think that that one script did completely change uh change everything and then to kind of like the to answer your kind of kind of other question about uh the the time loop concept of it all is that uh, it's something I've been actually thinking about recently is that the movie never had a, any kind of like sci-fi element or time loop or anything there in the earlier days of it. And it, when as I remember it was the week after we, Max and I finished at AFI, we were like, let's, uh, let's do our first movie. Let's, let's go out to Palm Springs and let's, let's figure out what we're going to do. Um, we had nothing, nothing really at that point. And then out of that weekend, we just had like the idea for a character, like taking a character who, who thinks life is meaningless and then by the end of the movie he finds some kind of meaning in it or another way to phrase it is he starts off by uh he, he claims to care about nothing by the end he finds like a purpose in caring and then over the then i started we you know over many conversations and and like failed drafts like i realized why these like why i was the drafts were failing was just because like a character who starts out that way uh i just didn't like him because he'd sound like a cynical la hipster and i was like i, I just don't believe that like this outlook on life that you that we've we've given to you it didn't it it didn't need to be that way uh or because of the the environment that you grew up in so therefore i we realized like let's make the the world demand that kind of outlook on life that kind of like uh, his point of view which is that life is meaningless like and he truly cares about nothing which is that's where the time loop stuff came in like way like i you know again after many failed drafts a year and a half after working on it. it wasn't, it was like when we realized that, that that would actually like make the the character believable in a way. Um, and the story arc that we were trying to put him on believable. Um, that's when everything just like that draft came out so much quicker and, and that's what the movie ended up becoming. Um, but yeah, but I, but it, the, when we, and whenever like throughout that, those two and a half years of, of working on it, whenever we'd mention it to anybody like that, we'd have, you know, generals with or whatever, like we get the same reaction that uh, like, yeah, we don't even, we don't even do a time loop movie <laughs> or like, like, cause 
any because the concept like even in the in the log line i'm sure that my manager when like sending it out like had to like probably like you know say it's not just a time loop movie or whatever like uh because it's it's like baked into the baked into the the story arc of the whole thing um so i don't know that uh that, that that's all i i don't feel like i could have ever just gone out and pitched palm springs basically it's it's never a movie that i that w- could ever have done uh gone that path um because i wouldn't really know how to pitch it in a way and that's also why like this the script took two and a half years to three years to write basically and um another couple years to make um but yeah again it changed the script changed everything for me and then the movie coming out changed everything for sure so so uh, in the way your industry particularly works there obviously there are scripts that you have written that nobody was interested in over the last few years but now you're the palm springs guy are you now <laughs> wheeling out you know those same scripts that no one cared about and suddenly they see something in them because you know you're hot and um there was there there's let's say one specific script that like uh i had um that i was developing with uh, for a while with another director after uh in the years while i was writing afi but i i just something i had actually written in film school um and it was like a two million dollar feature and like got some producers came on and like always like it's one of the things you're just trying to like get the money for and then um we don't, we'd be close on it and then fall apart. And this, it's, it's a, it's a very familiar tale for like an indie film. Um, but my heart was always in Palm, my Palm Springs at the time and writing it. But then like this other one, I still would like, I was still would, I put a lot into it too. Um, and then once Palm Springs, it was, it was when Palm Springs came out at Sundance and, uh, and you know, whatever, uh, was, was news then. Um, it was like in the couple of weeks that followed that, that some of these, some, some of the producers did come and, um say that we can actually probably get the money for the movie now pretty easily um and i it was a it was a weird point in or in my life where i was like i don't actually want to make this anymore um because i feel like i didn't know why the movie needed to be made in a way it was and it's a uh maybe and i'll and i'll, I'll uh, again when i'm looking for when i'm looking for work in a couple of years uh I'll be like, oh, let's let's make this thing for sure because I need a I need a paycheck. But uh, at the time, I was like, I felt like all these things that I had written up to Palm Springs were all like they're they're not useless because they all helped me like kind of hone in and 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 work those muscles and uh, and creative muscles. Uh, but I I I think I feel like finally I it, uh, in I think the script for Palm Springs helped me focus in on what I where my strengths and weaknesses are. And then I started, I looked at that other script and it's like, it is, I, I, I just felt like I was a different person when I wrote that. It was a different, like, and I didn't want to go back and start like just digging up old scripts really either. Like that, that, that made me realize I didn't want to go up, like dig up these old scripts to like try to make now. I'd rather just like move forward and, and only focus on things that I do from like this point on, which again, that might be really stupid, but there was a line in, in the, in Soprano six season where, uh, uh tony says remember when is the lowest form of conversation and i uh that line has been like burned into my brain and and since then i've had like this issue with like uh and i think i think i'm wrong about this too i think i don't think i'm i don't think it's the right way to look at life but i've had a problem with like looking back i'm trying to always look forward because i feel like uh the looking back part is uh you just 
I mean, I made a whole, that's the entire show is of the resort is all about looking back and how you can get trapped in a spiral and you don't actually ever move forward if you're too obsessed with the past. So anyway, I don't think I'm right about that, but that's kind of where the, uh, <laughs> I guess like the, the thinking behind not going back to these old scripts um, comes from is that I, I'm not that person anymore. So I don't know why I, I don't, I don't know what those are, uh, what those are, those old scripts are speaking to anymore, I guess. So it's interesting, the so the moving forward part. So you've mentioned a couple of times, half-jokingly, or maybe more than <laughs> half-jokingly, about sort of, you know, at what point you might be out of work again. And obviously the nature of your industry is that you're often out of work at the end of something, and then you never quite know when you're going to start working again. But I'm, I'm interested in the sort of how long things have got value for. So you were the Palm Springs guy, and obviously that led, led to the resort. So you're now mm-hmm. the resort guy. But at what point do you think that will wear <laughs> off? And- I don't know. I mean, well, we'll see, we'll see if anyone finds finds the resort. It's a, uh, it's still, you know, I, I don't know if I don't know if many people have seen seen the resort yet. So I think the Palm Springs thing at the moment is still uh, uh, helping. But I, 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 now you're just speaking directly to my fears in life. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you um, tell me how how long these things uh you, you get that uh you get that that calling card that is a uh, that has value on it uh how long that lasts for I don't know. So actually, I, I mean, unfortunately, speaking to people's fears is exactly the point of this podcast. So I'm now going to have to ask a follow up question, which of course is, um, how much do you actually worry about? what comes you know you, you finish a job do you genuinely think this might i'll never work again like how yes. much do you okay right you do i i mean it's 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 uh it's it's absolutely terrifying um i uh i was i was actually listening to like a, a script notes uh episode recently um where craig mazin is talking about like working on um like having like the uh kind of the the the, the daily uh work while in production on a show and i think for the, i think you talked about the last of us and like where you kind of just you have like a, perp- a daily purpose in a way because you have like something to do every day and i think that like i i realized when he was saying that i just finished you know working finished post on the resort and over the past year it was nice to have like i knew over the next year like i'm in the writer's room every day for these hours and i'm thinking about the show in my sleep and then especially while you're in production it's like you get those you you get the call sheets and you have a place to be every day. And then in post, uh, we got a very intense post schedule on the resort. And, um, and once, and I, I started, started feeling it as we were like, we're, do, we're down to just like, you know, doing the sound mix on episode seven or episode eight of the resort. And Allison, the, my co-showrunner and I were like, like, we don't, well, we don't really actually need to go into the office today. And we started feeling the sense of like, Oh God, this, this might be it. This is like, this is a, this might be the last time we ever get, uh, we ever have an office. <laughs> last time we might ever go to the universal uh, mix stage to mix an episode. Well, uh, I, I am always thinking that this is going to be the last time I'm ever uh, allowed to do anything. Um, and especially right now and like at the end of the year, it's a really depressing time at the end of each uh, each year when the, the industry kind of stops working basically for some reason it's like the halloween happens and then it's like oh there's just too many holidays let's just stop let's just stop working let's uh and which is really a very stressful thing for like especially when we're starting out and like you're like waiting on you know uh execs or a studio or a, or a production i mean like to be reading a script that you send in or um and 
it, everything just slows down so much in November, December, or January. Um, and I feel like now that that's timed out right around now when the, the resort has ended and we're waiting to see like what happens if, if we get another season and there are these other, you know, other, other jobs I'm kind of waiting on, but I'm in my mind, I'm like, wow, this might be the last good year, uh, 2022. And then it's really just all downhill. And then I don't know what to do. Uh, cause I have two kids and, and, uh, a wonderful wife and I, maybe we, maybe we move somewhere that's a lot cheaper. Uh, maybe we, uh, and I get out of LA and just, I start going down that spiral, um, wow. because I, uh, I, yeah, it's a, I don't, I, I, I feel like, I, I feel like I get obsessed with like, uh, other like stories of other people in the industry and like, at what point do you, uh, do you fizzle out? And, um, so I don't know. I'm really glad you brought up something that I, I've talked about a couple of times. I don't think on this podcast though, about the fact that no script is wasted, that you, when you work on something that it's working a muscle and it's like, you know, people, you never, if you're a musician and you're playing for Carnegie hall, you're never begrudging the time that you're practicing the piano or the violin or whatever. Right. But in our industry, when you write something, you've written it and it's there and people are like, well, I need to sell it. Or, and, it's like, and I'm like, no, you could actually just burn it because you've learned something. Right. I mean, yes. not every script is going to get you to that point of that sale. Uh, but I do want to stay on this subject because it's kind of fascinating to me uh, about fears, the fears that writers have. And what is a fear that you have uh, both for your career and a fear that you have for the industry uh, in general right now? Fear, well, I mean, I mean, career is just, yeah, that I mean, that this, I was, I was lucky enough. I, I'm very lucky that Palm Springs was made and that, uh, that it, the my, my first you know movie outside of film school that I wrote was was made and actually had a had a little bit of an impact and has helped open the door to other jobs and um and then it was right after Palm Springs um where you know my reps were asking like so what do you want to do next and like uh I said I mean if I could do anything I just want to do the resort because at, at that point the resort was like being like I, we had our big the big bible was written for the resort and the pilot was written and i knew i wanted to that's what i would like my heart was set on that uh and so i was and so i'm lucky enough to have like these two things that are very personal and important to me the resort and palm springs be made and uh so <laughs> career-wise i just uh i i worry about uh because i was again very very lucky to have that happen that uh that anything else is going to when i when i have more things that aren't made which that's already happened like when i have more things that like kind of just you know end up on in some uh uh on some server at, at uh in a in a trash bin um i that i that i'll i'll dwell on that too much um and i will or that i will start like turning things down that i should just like actually do because it's like it's it's how you actually make a career in this. You you you're you're going to work on things that are that don't ever get made. Um, and I I worry about getting too. Uh, I worry I, wor I worry about the decisions that that I, that I could potentially make coming up. Uh, if that makes sense. Uh, um, all that all that I guess the core of that is really it's about not working. Um, that I, uh, I, I I it's been a nice two years, and I I worry that that is a that I'll, I'll never be able to be on a set again as a showrunner or <laughs> never have another movie made. Um, the, and whether those are realistic fears or not, I, I think that they are like, uh, 
you know, that's, that's the, that is the worry that, um, this, this was the last thing I'll have ever written that will get made the resort. I, I have a showrunner specific question, kind of, kind of focusing in on your career itself. The, uh, you, you kind of, you kind of remind me of the the rise of Mickey Fisher who came on our podcast in the early days of our podcast. And he did extant mm-hmm. and he came on and he was not the showrunner of that. And he, but he, he, uh, he kind of chose to go back to staff for a second mm-hmm. because he was worried that he didn't know enough to be the mm-hmm. showrunner. And then slowly, I think on his third project, that he was lucky enough to sell, he became the showrunner of that uh, show. And he writes a weekly pod, a weekly newsletter about his fears and stuff. Do you mm-hmm. think there was a learning curve to becoming a showrunner now that you've been a showrunner? Do you think there's things that you can do better next time you are a showrunner or, you know, God willing, you're, the resort continues and you you continue being the co I think you're the co-showrunner of-, of Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, that, and that one was really like, uh, that came about because um, it wasn't like mandated- on me to like have a co-show runner. It was that I, I was, uh, in the writer's room for Angeline a year earlier, um, or two years or in summer of 2019, I was in the writer's room for Angeline, this, uh, this Peacock show, um, starring Emmy Rossum. And it was with Sam Esmail's company producing it too. And then, uh, toward the end of that room, they, uh, another showrunner was brought in, um, and they asked, uh, Emmy, the star, Lucy, the director, and then, Allison Miller, the showrunner that was on a, an overall deal at UCP, was brought in uh, to kind of like carry it through production. And they all asked me if I wanted to stay on and continue uh, working on the show um, to kind of like help like in the writing and rewriting uh, of it all. And I said, yeah, because I like I really liked working with all of them. And um, and I got to be like, a, and but throughout that process, like Allison was the showrunner on that and uh and she had one of a couple things she said to me is like yeah show running is like it's really like a two-person job that like uh uh it's but everyone tries to do it themselves and we she and i just became good buds more than anything throughout that whole process and i said that like yeah here's another show i'm doing with ucp if i if i end up selling it to any network uh or streamer you want to come on come and deal with me and she's like yeah of course because like again we're friends and it's it's better to run a show with two people than it is uh, with one and then, uh, whatever, a year later and I sold it to, we, uh, Peacock gave it to the series order. And then I called up Allison and I said, oh, yeah, do you want to come and do it with me? Um, cause it's, <laughs> you know, we, we both, we both like our families a lot too. And we, uh, just know how hard the job is. And, uh, but also I, I continued to learn things from her throughout that whole thing. Um, but, uh, but then for like, after running the show and thing is like, she, Allison was pulled into, Angeline because Angeline went back into production um because the pandemic kind of paused it a bit so like she was being pulled into that world a lot and uh and there are a lot of things that I like I I learned throughout this this past year uh running and co-running the show that I like I I feel like especially when you finish when you finish film school you're like everyone everyone finishes and they think that they can do anything like you're you have like here's like my my two pilots like I can go run create and run the show um and then especially when you're like in a writer's room as you you probably know like you are yeah i think you're always kind of thinking of like how you would run a show or how you would run a room too like you kind of like romance almost like romanticize the idea um and so i had spent uh those first three years like as a first as a writer's pa and then as a showrunner assistant and then i was a showrunner assistant for two years on on lodge 49 
it was like a, just a very long, like multiple writer room process for that one. And then the room never overlapped with production, but the showrunner, Peter Ako, like, you know, I was, I was by his side and he was very open about the whole process to me. So I was like learning a ton through that. Cause you know, like being like right next to the gatekeeper, right next to the decision maker um, on that. And then for Angeline, same thing. Like I was right next to Allison um, while like throughout the writing and production of that show. And I feel like I, so I had good six years of, uh, of experience. And after running the resort, I felt like I could have used another five or six years before actually being like knowing, knowing, like being confident enough in what I was doing. Um, Cause I think that, uh, and I see, I mean, I, I, I see, I have been on a handful of uh, a few other staffs in that, in that time, but I still think that there was a lot that uh, I could have learned um, or, and I, and I have noticed, and there's been plenty of articles written about this too in the past, you know, couple of years where these, these mini rooms, these short orders uh, you can have, you can have people who are traditionally like uh, are co-EP level writers or producer levels uh, who have still never been on a set before. Um, and that's, uh, that's tough. Uh, and I, and I, and then you're being handed, you're being brought on to run a show but like the running a show is a whole other like i i know i could not as i was in i could not have done it without allison or without um dana who is our she's our another co-ep but line producer and it's uh i feel like that job is almost like had to carry some of the weight of um you know younger creators not really totally knowing what they're doing so so um yeah we've talked on the show a lot about that very point which is like show running's a weird skill set that mm-hmm. that they give people this job even though they might not have any of the skills for it but they've you know written a good script um and it's it's more than just a single job and it's a very hard thing to get your head around given that you know you spent a few years seeing other people do it now you are doing it mm-hmm. what elements of the job do you think that you are good at and what mm-hmm. elements of the job do you think you struggle with? Um, I I almost feel like I'm, I'm I can be good at all of them if like if they're separated out with like rather than condensed into a a one year like room writing writing the show prep production and editing like in this very condensed time frame. Uh, but because everything's overlapped in a way, that's where, that's where it becomes the, the biggest struggle. Um, like, but I, I think that like, I mean, the writing is, is the part that I'm, I, I enjoy the collaborative nature of, uh, of a room and like just coming up with the, with fun, cool ideas and prob- problems and how to solve these problems and all that. And I, I like, I love that process. I love then taking that and just trying to distill it into a script to get an idea across. Um, and I, uh, I do, and I enjoy, and I think I'm good at like being there on set to like help. Uh, we had a very, like a very, and I credit also credit our directors on this too, keeping it a very like um, playful set in a way. Like I, I, because we're not always doing the, like the 20th or, or 50th draft of a script because of just, having to do all these like, uh, like rebreaking and everything where sometimes we're, we're shooting the third draft of the script. And so uh, it was a very like improv friendly atmosphere on our, on our show too. And to be a part of that, like working closely with writers and directors, I think that is a, that is a, something I, 
I, I feel like I'm at least pretty good at is, um, and I think I credit grad school with that. I credit working with closely with Max on Palm Springs and Andy and Sandberg on Palm Springs that I, I, and with Emmy and Allison and Lucy on Angeline, it's like where I'm probably the strongest and the like most creatively fulfilled is when I'm like in a room with like two or three or four other people that are not always writers, but are some like are, are part of the, the project on a different level, whether it's uh, a producer or an actor or a director. And I think that I know how to like kind of fulfill, fulfill that role there. Um, and then take it to the finish line as, as a short runner. The, the hardest part um, that I still like uh, that I, I need, I need to get better at is just the, um, where I, where I know, I know that the, uh, okay, I'm trying to distill one, one of the things that came to, uh, one of the story problems that happened on, on, on the resort early on was um, I had written this very dense, long Bible for the show uh, at the end, like back in 2019, 2020. And that's, that's what, you know, that's what sold the show. Um, and I didn't actually share it with the writer's room, uh, uh, but it had like, and, and if, you, if you've seen the show, but like it's the show takes some wild turns throughout the whole thing and, um, and ends up in a far different place than it, than it began. Uh, and in the, and throughout the writer's room, like I, I love our writer's room and like, it's, I uh, wanted to have a very, just I want everyone to feel like an ownership over the show. And uh, there was a, I remember I started going back and forth to Puerto Rico for, um, uh, for stu- like scouts and whatnot. And, and then we're also like, we're just deep, we're like into prep, like in the middle of last summer. And then uh, I remember in the, there was a, there was an idea that was pitched in the writer's room um, that I needed. I just needed a little bit, I needed like a day to think on that I had, they pitched it to me like the night before while I was in my hotel in Puerto Rico. Uh, and then the next day as I'm running through the airport, um, I call into the zoom room, the zoom writer's room. And I say, okay, I thought about it for a day. Like let's, let's do this. And it was like, this idea was like, it's kind of a foundational idea. It seemed like it's something that seems small, like in a, in a dealing with backstory, but it actually changes the course of the whole show in a way on a, like on a deep, deeper, like fundamental foundational level. But I had thought about it for a day. And while I was, you know, in a van, uh, rewriting other episodes and, um, and watching director reels and, uh, looking at casting videos and looking at locations. I was doing all these other parts of the, of the job. Um, and, but I thought about it a little bit and I, I signed off on the idea. And then like two months later, as we like start to get some of the scripts that like came from that point on, I realized, Oh, we got off track. Um, it, the show became something, uh, that it, and it wasn't, it wasn't any of the writer's fault. It was my fault, but like, it became something that like, it, it was never meant to, it, it, it fundamentally went, was different than how it started, I guess. And, um, and so because of that, I, I had to like, you know, the writer's room was almost done at that point. I had to kind of like re re break everything. But the reason for that, uh, and we're back to, back to the question about like where I, uh, one of my biggest faults there was that, there's the, is the bandwidth level of like, I, I, I learned that I need to, I need to protect the creative decisions a lot more. So like when I wrote that, that kind of that very dense Bible, I was only focused on that one thing for however that, that month that I was writing it. Whereas like this big decision that was, that I was big creative decision that was being made. I was also making it while doing a thousand other things that were not creative necessarily that were more like more logistical. 
And, uh, and so learning to like, um, not, not let the creative, uh, overlap, uh, creative decisions overlap with decisions that are, um, <laughs> that are more of the seemingly mundane, uh, showrunner decisions, but, uh, cause otherwise all, all, the, 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 the choices will be weak on all fronts, I guess. And I'm, we're going to be paying for those later on, which I ended up having to pay for that later on as I'm, you know, doing rewrites from eight to 4am because I, there's no, there's not enough, there's not enough time in the day anymore as you're like getting closer and closer to shooting. Um, so. Yeah. I guess that speaks to the problem of the fact it is more than one job. Um, it's about five yeah. different jobs. Um, yeah. So I always like to ask people hypothetical questions. I'm interested in yours particularly because you've, flitted between different versions of this so if you had a choice between uh your next project being a movie which is a massive success but just standalone movie um a tv series but being a massive success and being something that's really personal to you but only lasts for one year just because it's a story that gets told, there's, there's no way this goes for an extra season because it's just not that sort of show. And then the third version is you write something which is maybe less personal to you, but is something that's got five seasons in it if it works. Which of those three things would you choose? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Um, I'd say... Uh, while the five season one does feel like, uh, again, how we started this whole conversation, I just want to want to make sure I work and can like I don't have to always share an office with my kids. Uh, um, that one does feel appealing. However, I because I haven't been in that environment, I haven't I haven't done done that thing yet too too much. Where I'm, I've done it a little bit. Where, where I'm working on something where I don't like, I don't feel as like personally connected to. I'm, I worry that I, uh, I worry I just wouldn't be as quite as good at it, good at it, good at it, but, uh, or that I, I would not, uh, would not be able to ever, I don't know. I, I, that's my way of saying, I don't know if it'd be option three. So of the two between a movie and a, and a TV show, um, it's, what's tough there is that like, there's that part, uh, there's that part of me that just knows that. I, I, I hope this changes, but like film, film, or just, it's films just kind of held to like a different uh, level still. And I, it's, it's, it's more people in a, in a way. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like more people see movies than, than shows. And maybe I'm totally wrong about this. And I'm, I'm pulling this. I don't not like this is based on anything other than me, like looking at uh, just the world that I see, but like uh, the things that like stand the test of time, um, I don't know. I think, I think probably I'll probably pick a, if, if both the movie and the TV show, that it's a one season TV show, which again, this is exactly what the resort and Palm Springs was resort was kind of meant as a one season show. Um, I have a, 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 a path forward for a season two, but like it's still more, a lot more people saw Palm Springs. Um, and, uh, and while it wasn't, didn't go in theaters, it was in, it was, was supposed to go in theaters at first and then pandemic happened, but like, I got to see that in a, in a, the last movie I saw at the Arclight actually before it shut down um, was a test screening of Palm Springs. 
the first week of March of 2020. And it was like seeing, seeing a, a movie, like in a packed theater, it's like, it's um, unlike anything. And we got to see, you know, we had a premiere for the resort and it was the first two episodes we aired. And that was like, again, that was just, it's such a fun, cool experience. Cause there's, there are moments in that, that I like I, in the second episode specifically, where like I designed to be a, like a comedic set piece in a way um, that is meant to be with an audience, but I never, you never, I don't, you don't ever get experience that though, because people are watching it on their own at home. And I, uh, I, I, I missed the, the theater experience and enjoying something with a big audience. And I just saw triangle of sadness the last weekend and it was like a packed audience. And, and I have, I was in tears laughing with a bunch of strangers in a room. Um, I think that's uh, there's a, there's a power to that. And so therefore uh, they, I think I would 51% toward the, 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 the first, uh, the, the movie one only because of the communal experience there. That was way too long of an answer. I could have just said, yes, and it probably won. Sorry. No, it's good. Oh, well, the, well, the reason I don't normally add in the thing about the long story, long running show, but I knew that that would uh, have some appeal given what you discussed. Look, I'm rather enjoying this, but unfortunately the way podcasts work is we've reached the end um, and we can't go on all day. So we have to ask the final question, which is if if you could give a single piece of advice to somebody entering this industry, what would that single piece of advice be? Hopefully I'll be able to edit out the the dead air here. as I think about this single piece of advice. Um, I think that like the best thing is that at least something that worked for me where I, I knew that I had to like, I knew I had to back myself into a corner to like actually go to, go to a very, I had to, had to go to a very expensive film school and went into debt for it and stuff. I knew I had to back myself into that kind of financial corner because there was that part of me that knew I had to try this. I wouldn't be happy in 20 years if I didn't at least try. Um, so once you get, if, assuming that that's like, you're, you're going in for reasons where you just know you like you, you have to do it. Um, the piece of advice then is, uh, really holding on to like, like n- knowing how much, um, you can get out of like a little win, uh, if that makes sense, I'll, I'll explain uh, very briefly, uh, in the, the first couple of years after like uh, you, you, you finish uh, or the first couple of years when you're trying to start out is like, you might get like a meeting, a general meeting with an exec at a certain company a, uh, and you'll be sent here. Some here's three dates that work. And let's say one is this Friday, one is next Friday. And the other one is like in, in three weeks. Um, I'd say I always pick the one that's in three weeks uh, because it's such a depressing industry and depressing job at times like personally like it's a really fun great thing but like it's you can people can be very hard on themselves i can be very hard on myself but knowing that i have something to look forward to on the horizon uh is like it's good and so i know that like if i was taking this meeting on friday i'd only have like four days to be like to have that in my mind and then i take the meeting and then it's then it's done who knows what comes out of the meeting it's not about that it's about like just having something to look forward to and so if it's in three weeks i know that's three weeks of like feeling a little a little better um and a and i'm still doing that to this day where there's like a there's a, a tv show that I, I i wrote with this other director um and we're either going to take it out we're like talking about do we take it out with the studio this year or um 
which you have to kind of do in the next couple of weeks anyway, because everyone stops working. Um, or do we wait until next year? And, and it was very pretty easy. We're like, oh, let's just wait until next year. Because if we took it out now and we got a bunch of no's, then we're going into the holiday season like depressed. But now we at least like, if everything else falls apart in my life, I at least know that I'm going to pitch this move, this TV show sometime in February or early next year. And I have that to look forward to. And then the no hasn't happened at the, the, the reject, the rejection hasn't happened yet. So just pushing off the rejection, I guess that's what it is. Push off the rejection as far as you can. So that, because uh, uh, until that rejection happens, you have hope. So. Extraordinary. What an amazing piece of advice. I work in an industry where I always tell our sales team to ask for the no as soon as possible so you can move on. But uh, yeah. I, love, I, love the, I love the fact that you're suggesting in your industry, people do the opposite. Um, At the same time, like I'm waiting for Peacock to like, tell me if they want to do another season. I say like, give me that yes right now. It's <laughs> like, because I, yes or no right now. So I can, I can move on. Uh, Cause now that's, that's hanging over. So I see how it, I see how it can work both ways, but I, uh, but especially on the early side of early times of your career, I think it's, it's important to just like, you know, any, any little thing that can keep you, uh, hopeful or like a little more positive minded is good. And like, and you know, knowing you have something in three weeks rather than one week that helps. Amazing. So look, Andy Sierra, the, the Palm Springs guy who soon will be the resort guy, and I'm sure will <laughs> have no problem staying work for a very long time. Thank you very much, uh, and thank you to your daughter for letting uh, you borrow her room. Thank you for yes. being on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of Screaming into the Hollywood Abyss. As always, it's, this episode was brought to you by Scriptation, the screen writing and annotation software that at the very least has made my life easier and will make your life easier as well. Uh, we'd like to thank our wives who put up with us recording these episodes in our offices and basements and closets and bathrooms and anywhere we can get a little space to record an interview. And of course, we want to thank James Launch who provided us with the great intro and outro music. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, you can find Noah at N. Evslin on Twitter, tweeting a variety of writer-based nonsense and uh, some terrible puns and occasionally begging for sponsorship. Uh, if you want more refined tweets, mostly about football and whiskey, you can find me at Dan Rutstein. If you're interested in buying a copy of Scriptation, if you go to www.scriptation.com backslash Sither, S-I-T-H-A, you will receive a special discount. Thank you very much for listening. As always, we appreciate you. Uh, please give us any feedback, mostly positive stuff about me, and we will see you next week. And if you do say a negative thing about Dan, there is a chance I might buy you a free copy of Scriptation. Talk soon.